0: Hello and welcome to the Dakota Rustler Show. I am your host, Daryl Root, rustling up information and news from the last week or so and passing it on to you. Today I'm going to cover some racism news, plastic eating microbes, the taking of property and more. So let's get right into it because I don't want to waste time. Number one, as in a story out of Washington. Recently, the NAACP Board of Directors issued a formal travel advisory, didn't know they could do that, (laughs) for the state of Florida. The travel advisory comes in direct response to Governor Ron DeSantis' aggressive attempts to erase black history and to restrict diversity equity, and inclusion programs in Florida schools. You know, even if somebody believes that, how does that make travel dangerous? The formal travel notice states, quote, Florida is openly hostile towards African Americans, people of color, and LGBTQ individuals. Before traveling to Florida please understand that the state of Florida devalues and marginalizes the contributions of and the challenges faced by African Americans and other communities of color, unquote. You know, I don't even know how to respond to that. It's just stupid and crazy. In another statement, NAAC president and CEO Derek Johnson stated, Let me be clear, failing to reach an accurate representation of the horrors and inequities that black Americans have faced and continue to face is a disservice to students and a dereliction of duty to all, unquote. Uh, Excuse me. But isn't it the majority of black liberals who are trying to erase history by banning flags and taking down Confederate statues and everything else that has to do with the Civil War time and what has happened prior to it? You know, They're the ones trying to eliminate history. They're the ones doing cancel culture. Have I not stated if you erase history, you're doomed to repeat it? Well, I guess according to Derek Johnson, uh, I guess that makes me correct, because according to him, we're repeating it. You know, maybe if you had left all that stuff up. Yeah, in another statement, once again, hate-inspired state leaders have chosen to put politics over people. Governor Ron DeSantis and the state of Florida have engaged in a blatant war against principles of diversity and inclusion and rejected our shared identities to appeal to a dangerous extremist minority, said the chair of the NAACP board of directors, Leon Russell. Uh, guess what, Leon? Every state put puts politics over people. Liberal and conservative states alike. The only difference is the issues, but they're all put politics first. Following Governor Ron DeSantis' so called leadership in driving the state to reject students' access to AP African American studies. Back in March, the NAACP distributed 10,000 books to 25 predominantly black communities across the state in collaboration with the American Federation of Teachers Reading Opens the World program. Uh, If you're trying to get white people to be non-racist, shouldn't you be giving these to white people, not black people? the majority of the books donated were titles banned under the state's increasingly restrictive laws the naacp continues to encourage local branches and youth councils to start community libraries to ensure access to representative literature I don't know what to say to that you know i will give the naacp some credit here books should not be banned as long as they're age appropriate so i'll give them credit there we don't want the banning of books you know but as i said it needs to be age appropriate we don't need eight-year-olds reading erotica of any type whether it's straight gay or anything else number two In another race-related story, there is this question. Do Pennsylvania State Police racially profile during traffic stops? This is just one of the questions in a 169-page study. Data from over 440,000 traffic stops in 2022 were analyzed by the National Policing Institute. The study says black drivers were 1.9 times more likely and Hispanic drivers were 1.3 times more likely than white drivers to be searched for discretionary reasons. However, let's look at that in context. While the likelihood of being searched was 2.7% for black drivers, 2.1% for hispanic drivers and only 1.4% for white drivers if you look at it from the other end what you get is over 97% of all drivers no matter what their race are not searched you know over 97% not searched. So choose your poison, either a 50% higher rate of being searched or a 1% difference in not being searched at all. Are you a pessimist or an optimist? 98% of all people pulled over displayed civil behavior towards the Pennsylvania State Police Trooper, meaning only 2% gave the officer a hard time. Which, if you remember, the search numbers are almost identical. As I have stated before, cooperate with the officer and your odds of having issues are almost non-existent. 2% are searched, 2% don't cooperate. You see the connection? As for the percentage of people actually pulled over, 78% were white versus 81% of the population black 14% were pulled over as opposed to 12% of the population american india indian and alaskan native were 0.3 versus 0.4 asian or pacific islander was 1.8 versus 4% of the population or in other words the pullover rates are virtually identical to the population diversity as a whole the study also showed A higher percentage of black and Hispanic drivers were issued verbal warnings than white drivers. So there they get the benefit of the doubt. The percentage of white drivers giving written warnings was three percentage points higher than their black and Hispanic counterparts. A higher percentage of white drivers received written citations than their black and Hispanic counterparts. The percentage of stop drivers, though, were a little bit higher for blacks and Hispanics, but all three groups had a ratio between 93 and 96% of them not being arrested. Again, it should be noted that the Institute only collected data once a person is pulled over, and they did not analyze why the troopers decided to make that specific stop. So, is there racism in traffic stops and what happens afterwards in the state of Pennsylvania? The clear answer, generally speaking, is no. Like anything else, though, there are going to be some situations and individual exceptions, and I would suspect if this is happening in Pennsylvania, which is a purple state, it's probably happening pretty much the same in most other states. Number 3. Remember the last podcast when I talked about tire microplastics polluting the waters? Well, guess what? Scientists have discovered microbes eating plastic in cold environments like Arctic soil and alpine slopes, a breakthrough that could help to address the pervasive problem of plastic pollution around the world according to a new study. Humans collectively throw out about 400 million metric tons of plastic every year, a number that is only expected to grow in the coming decades. This deluge of plastic trash is negatively impacting ecosystems around the world and may pose a threat to human health. And if you remember from my last podcast, I talked about tire microplastics affecting the Soho salmon population on the West Coast. A lot of this waste gets dumped into habitats and communities where it breaks apart into small fragments called microplastics that take centuries to biodegrade. Microplastics have been found in virtually everywhere on Earth, including deep sea trenches, Antarctic snow, the air we breathe and even in our blood. But nature always seems to find a way. Microbes are among the best tools that scientists are studying to fight this pollution because some of these tiny organisms can digest certain plastics using specially adapted enzymes. These enzymes usually require balmy temperatures of around 86 degrees Fahrenheit or 30 Celsius to work their magic on plastics at an industrial scale. However, Scientists have now discovered a host of cold-weather microbes in the Arctic and in the Alps that can break down certain plastics at a much lower temperature, 59 degrees or 15 Celsius. The scientists involved have been studying the impacts of plastic pollution on microbes in pristine cold-weather environment for years, which revealed that some species seem to use plastics as an energy source. (laughs) Who the heck ever would have thought that? Eat plastic and get energy. It'd be nice if humans could do that, although that probably tastes like you-know-what. Their new findings confirm that microorganisms from high alpine and polar regions are efficient producers of plastic-degrading enzymes and thereby may contribute to future efforts for an environment-friendly circular plastic economy. Cold adapted microbes could in the future help make plastic recycling more sustainable and cheaper since the enzymes produced by these organisms work at lower temperatures and consequently would not need heating which saves energy. Microbes can be found in almost every imaginable environment on earth from hypersalty lakes to radioactive fallout zones to our own bodies. The versatility stems in part from their knack for exploiting unusual resources, resources such as methane, nuclear radiation, toxic waste, or the polymers found in plastic. Toxic waste? Hey, Joe Biden's gonna love that one. That'll be the next government handout. Breed microbes so they can eat all the toxic waste that mining for EV battery chemicals will produce. While many previous studies have identified plastic digesting microbes, the scientists searched for these organisms and overlooked cold environments. The team collected 34 microbial strains, including 19 bacteria and 15 fungi, from plastic material that had been left for several months in locations in Greenland, Svalbard, wherever the heck that is, I guess I need to learn a new place, and the Swiss Alps. Back in the laboratory, the researchers exposed microbes to a non-biodegradable plastic called polyethylene, as well as three plastics designed to biodegrade on faster timescales. While none of the microbes could break down the polyethylene, about half were able to digest the other three plastics at 15 degrees Celsius, which is 59 Fahrenheit. The results could provide a roadmap for bioengineering new enzymes that can strip apart certain plastics at lower temperatures, potentially reducing the cost and carbon footprint of plastic recycling in the future. So there's good news on the environmental scale. Use microbes to eat plastics. With that, are going to take a break. Be gone for about 40 seconds. Till then, don't go away because when I come back, more horse sense. Hello and welcome back to the Dakota Rustler Show. Two more short stories for you. Before I do that, however, quick shout out to Dan Heim and to Vinnie Camilleri who provide the music for the show and to Arbel Kimmick who does the voiceovers. In addition, please subscribe, please follow and do whatever you have to do to help support this show by clicking on your Facebook links, your Spotify links, just please subscribe. Thank you. All right, let's move on. Number four, the Mexican president urges Latino voters to reject DeSantis after his campaign launch. So we're back in Florida again. Mexican president Andres Manuel Lopez Obrador recently urged Latino voters not to back Florida governor Ron DeSantis in the new next US presidential election accusing the Republican politician of trying to win votes at the expense of migrants uh hold on isn't this election interfering election tampering After all, if the Russians swayed us to vote for Trump back in 2016, isn't this another foreign government entity trying to influence our elections? You can't have it both ways, Democrats. DeSantis recently announced he would seek the 2024 Republican nomination for president and vowed to build a wall on the Mexico border. The latest in a series of hardline comments on immigration that he says resonate with Latino voters who want strong enforcement. Now I get it. If a border wall gets built, good old Lopez Obrador will be stuck having to take care of his own miscreants. And no, I'm not calling all Mexicans miscreants. Personally, I wish one would actually move into my neighborhood. Then, perhaps, I could become fluent in the language instead of just having a working knowledge of it. Bienvenidos a todos españoles. DeSantes, who has championed border security and derided so-called sanctuary cities where migrants can shelter, said he would impose strong controls on illegal immigration and limit asylum. As well as building a wall, he said he would seek programs similar to former U.S. President Donald Trump's Remain in Mexico policy that forced asylum seekers to stay in Mexico while awaiting U.S. hearings on their claims. As I said many times in this podcast, I'm all for Mexicans coming here. I just want them to be vetted before they get here, and I want it limited to a number that are comparable to the jobs available for them. What we have now is basically a mini-invasion. So the question becomes, do we really care about what the Mexican president thinks? I don't think so. Probably not. And after all, his time in office ends before our next election. So goodbye to my favorite foreign name to pronounce on Manuel López Obrador. And finally, number five, last but not least, a unanimous Supreme Court decision recently gave 94-year-old Minneapolis woman a new chance to recoup some money after the county kept the entire $40,000 when it sold her condominium over a small unpaid tax bill. The justices ruled that Hennepin County, Minnesota, violated the constitutional rights of the woman by taking her property without paying just compensation. Eminent domain here. The county had the power to sell Tyler's home to recover the unpaid property taxes, but it could not use the toehold of the tax debt to confiscate more property than was due. Chief Justice John Roberts wrote for the court. Tyler, who now lives in, a, in an apartment building for older people, owned 2300 in unpaid taxes plus interest and in penalties totaling $15,000. This is crazy, people. Your taxes, or excuse me, your interest and your penalties should never ever be more than what the unpaid tax amount is that's crazy county said she did nothing to hold on to her one-time residence the apartment sold the following year minnesota is among roughly a dozen states in the district of columbia that allow local jurisdictions to keep the excess money this is wrong this is pure theft according to pacific legal foundation a not-for-profit public interest law firm The other states are, and listen up if you're from one of these, Alabama, Arizona, Colorado, Illinois, Maine, Massachusetts, Nebraska, New Jersey, New York, Oregon, and my own state here in South Dakota. So if you live in one of these states, they can take your property and keep the excess. This is wrong. At least 8,900 homes are sold because of unpaid taxes, and the former owners received little or nothing in those states between 2014 and 2021, according to Pacific Legal. The court rejected the county's arguments that Tyler could have sold the property and kept whatever was left after paying off the mortgage and taxes, refinanced her mortgage to pay the tax bill, or signed up for a tax payment plan. So hopefully, people, this decision will cancel out and destroy the legalized thievery that these 12 states have been participating in by keeping your house and its profits for a small amount of unpaid taxes. So, yes, in this case, taxation is theft and a massive amount of theft at the same time. With that, it's another podcast. Catch you next week on the Dakota Rustler Show. You know the mantra. Question authority and always be free.